Praise the name of the Lord. Wow. What an incredible touch of the Holy Ghost. I'm reminded of the differences between the people of God, the ministry of God. Men like me are thankful for pastors like yours because he hits levels and octanes that guys like me just can't ever seem to pull out. I have friends that hone the differences in my life. I have elders and leaders, and part of the beauty about living for the Lord is surrounding yourselves, not with an echo chamber, but a wide, varied difference of men and women who all together build up and make up the house of the Lord. Aren't you thankful for those sitting next to you that are different than you? I know some of them may be real different, but hey, aren't you glad they're next to you? Praise God. And uh, I appreciate the Mayos, my wife and I both. Not only they're family, but they are heroes to us. They have gone ahead and did something here that fired a shot spiritually. And those brave enough to dare the journey have paths they can already walk on. Northwest is going to have revival. Woo! Somebody ought to shout about that. Come on, that might be your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your friend. Somebody ought to shout about that. Hallelujah. Praise God. As you're turning to Exodus 15, verse number 17, also want to give honor to the prettiest woman in this whole room. My life. She keeps me grounded. Every good quality that you see in, your, in, in her children are primarily because of her. There's a scattering of things in me. I just got to get out of them. Praise God. But I love my wife dearly. Glad she's here. The two others are with family in Alabama. And Corrigan, our oldest, I know he's very disappointed he can't be here. He loves a good church he can run circles in. He's doing it at home, and he's our worship leader in the aisles now. Amen. He gets to running, and he makes all the adults run with him. Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 15, verse number 17, and then we will also turn in Colossians 2, verse number 6. Thou shalt bring them in. Everybody say, bring them in. And plant them. Everybody say, plant them. In the mountain of thine inheritance. In the place. Everybody say, in the place. O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in. In the sanctuary. 
O Lord, which thy hands have established. Colossians chapter number 2, verse number 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted, rooted, and built up in Him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. I want to do the best I can today. I have prayed and I have pushed away the plate to find the mind of God for this service and I have been unable to get away from this subject. So for just a little bit today, I want to preach to you on the idea of being rooted in place. Rooted in place. Would you lift your hands up right now, put your Bibles down, would you just begin to talk to Him? Come on, would you ask the Lord to begin to plow your heart? Come on, you've got to contend for the Word of the Lord. You've got to contend against every distraction. God, let my heart be a fertile field. Let it be plowed that it would be receptive to the precious seed of the Word of God. God, I love you. I love you. I love you. Amen. You may be seated. It has been some time now that I have locally and in my private devotions, I have been dominated. And by dominated, I mean that I have been unable, it seems, to open up the Word of the Lord and begin to pull anything other than the idea of place and the purpose of place and the primacy that place has in the Word of the Lord. Locally, I have taught this recently as the theology of place. The more that I have dived into the premise of place, I've come to realize that the Bible is uniquely aware and it is deeply involved in the idea of places that you and I will abide in. When you go back to the first chapter of Genesis, the creative narrative, the Bible introduces us to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then verse number 2 presents to us the, the unique idea of a world that is covered in darkness, empty and void. It is a liquid mass, and depending on who you study and who you read from, there is varied ideas of what that looked like, but many of the sages and the ancient commentators would agree that there, potentially within what was there, was a sense of darkened liquid chaos, and no life can come out of chaos. And then, having been confronted by the condition of the world, chaos, 
the liquidity of, of a world that, of course, we know, and your pastor, I'm sure, has preached about the potential that lies within that, that chaotic overtone of what we are presented with. But, of course, we move from that. And Jesus, i.e. God, begins to gradually, through creative narrative, begins to differentiate places. He begins by first declaring, let there be light. The Bible said, and there was light, and God saw that it was good. Notice, he did not include the darkness in that which was proclaimed good. But he looks at the light and said, it is good. And the Bible said that God began to separate Light from darkness. He said, you're going to be called night and you're going to be called day and there's going to be a visible demarcation, as it were, between the two of you. He moves on from there. God begins to differentiate the land that comes out of the waters and He tells the land, this is what you're going to be and the seas, this is where you're going to be, and gathers them together. He takes the waters above, separates them from the waters below, and puts a firmament in the midst of them and calls it the heaven. In every single instance, God is differentiating specific places. And if I could say this in just passing, this is not really what I want to get on, but it's going to breathe through everything that I have to say. What God is actually doing, more than just the distinguishing and differentiating of place, is God is establishing the antidote to chapter, or verse number 2, the antidote to chaos. And the antidote to chaos is the formation of divine order where everything has its place and everything moves in place and everything lives in place according to the divine order that God has set. Can I just go ahead and tell you that the apostolic church is more primed to be the safe haven against the liquid chaos of the culture we're in because we are a people of divine order. We're not afraid to talk about men and women differences. We're not afraid to talk about the divine order that God establishes in a home. If you wonder why the world's all confused, wondering if that's a man or that's a woman, or if this is that or that is this, it's because the chaos is subsuming them again. But only divine order can ride on the top of all of that. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. You know what the boat was, Noah's Ark? It was divine order. Boy, I'm going to just go ahead and chase this rabbit, cook him for food, and we're going to move on. But the boat was divine order. It was something that was given the specifications by God. And onto that boat came male and female. Divine order. 
I hope some of you are going to get excited as I get when I preach about this. And the world returned to Genesis 1 and 2. The deep broke up and the heavens broke up and what was separating them came together and it flooded the earth. But on the top of the liquid chaos of the world was a boat filled with divine order. Honey, you don't have to worry about your kids getting confused if you're on the church and you're sailing across the surface. Somebody ought to shout, yeah. Somebody ought to say, praise God. You don't understand. That's why we don't apologize for who and what we are. I've got people that have fought what we are in Portland, but their family members are running astray. Their little 12-year-olds are running away. Their little 11-year-old thinks it's a, it's a boy when it's really a girl. And I'm saying, come on, get in the church. That's where divine order is. And when you get on it, the chaos can't touch you. They sailed on the top of liquid chaos. That's what the church is doing right now. We're not touched. We're not rocked. Come COVID, come politics, uh, doesn't matter. And if you get all bothered about that, honey, you might be outside the boat, uh, but get back on the divine order boat uh, and none of it bothers you. So he's differentiating everything. He has the earth, the sea, the sky, the heavens. He flings into the heavens the planetary orbs known as planets. He litters the sky with the diamond sparkle of the stars and everything that is there rotates and moves in a fixed position because when God puts something in its place God has an intention for it and he's got a purpose for it and he's got a movement for it you didn't wake up today wondering if the sun would rise because divine order mandated all those years ago that you're going to orbit according to divine trajectory. Now you might have woke up today and wondered if you were going to make it to church. Uh, you might have wondered if the person next to you was going to be here. Because we sometimes struggle uh, getting slapped into divine orbit uh, in the place God put us. What is sin? Sin is to miss the mark. It means your trajectory changed. Woo! It means that what you should have been, trajectory missed. You know that if you were to go change the sun by an infinitesimal difference up there, that we would either freeze to death or burn to death? Because divine orbit dictates the irreducible complexity of the universe and we, we don't have anything to worry about because we know the world around us is in divine order. So he's placing. He is creating. 
And he takes the heavens. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to get there and then I'm going to be radical and I'm going to scream, but i got to lay the foundation. I'm a teacher at heart. I love teaching. And he looks at the heavens and he throws those stars out there and the sun, the moon, and all the planets that are there. And he says, you move this way. And they have been faithful. Every time you look at the sun and you're tempted to sin, say, oh no, I'm not going to lose my trajectory in divine orbit. I'm not going to get derailed. I'm not missing the mark. Honey, you know that almost right is completely wrong. I'd hate to be one of these folks that's looking for something that has a measure of what's right. But I don't want to get caught up in the orbit of total right. And so I'll just shift the trajectory a little bit and I'll pick and choose like a window shopper and a consumer what kind of church I want to belong to. You want to know what's wrong with our world today is they're looking for a place to belong and not a place to believe. They're window shopping. I want to know if you've got a family program. I want to know if you've got a children's program. Do you do Dave Ramsey on the side? How about you start looking at what do they believe? Because if they're not preaching what thus saith the Lord, Dave Ramsey won't get you to heaven. Come on, I know I got a few apostolics in here. I'm on a mission today. Woo! Come on, I want the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. Don't give me that Ishmael stuff. Connected to promise, but not the promise. Don't let me go like, like Esau and marry the Ishmaelites because, hey, I'm still connected to the thing. Honey, you can be connected, but if it ain't all truth, your trajectory's off. And I'd hate for you when the trumpet sounds to not be in the trajectory that God wants you to be in because only divine orbit's going to get you where God wants you to go. Man, I feel revelation in this room right now. I feel the help of the Holy Ghost. Now, for all you that are getting bored with this, uh, that are struggling in your public schools uh, to stay in divine orbit, uh, honey, next time you don't need to apologize for the way you look. Uh, you just look at them and say, I'm in divine orbit. Uh, I'm right where God wants. I'm in divine order. Do I have any young people that are not ashamed that you're a part of truth, that you're a part of the apostolic way? And I'll tell you what, Cornerstone, 
I'm going to tell my folks how you preach with me. I told them this is the place you want to model yourself after, so you know what you need to do? You need to give them something to model after. Come on now. Back home, I tell them if it's something really worth shouting about, you ought to kick the devil in the teeth and say, yeah! Come on, that isn't hype. That's in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let everything be established. Somebody said, yeah. So God puts the fish in the sea. And he says, this is your place. You take a fish out of the water. Leave it for a long time on the land. It's going it's to die. And then it's going to stink. Why? Because it got out of its place. And fish, when they're in their place, can move like nothing else can move. You get the largest submarine ever built with all its money and the shark's going to fly past it like it's a lightweight. Because that's the place God put it in. Man, I want to get ahead of myself, but I can't. Some of us are chafing against place. Not understanding that if you will root yourself in place, you will move in the Holy Ghost and in dimensions you never knew were possible. I've got, a, I've got several folks that I pastor. I had one individual come. He's no longer there. And he used to get frustrated because he didn't really feel anything or get anything from the place that he was visiting. And I used to really be bugged by that until I've understood something. If you don't root in the place God's put you, you will never... Reap the benefits of where you are. I know a lot of people that sit around in churches and say, looking around at everybody else saying, why is it they look like they're getting blessed? How come they're crying? How come they seem to feel something? Maybe it's because you didn't get your roots deep enough and you're still looking around. You can't benefit from the tap water if your roots don't touch it. That's why the apostolic church operates on a level of, of revelation. Uh, you got to be tapped into the water, uh, into the source, uh, that when the preacher moves in revelation, it isn't an intellectual thought. Uh, it's a spiritual thought. And it's not the cult of personality, but it's when you hear revelation, something begins to come up through the roots of where you're rooted and says, whoa, I can't really sit still because I feel what's happening on the platform. So place, place, somebody shout place. Fish going place. The land. You're a land creature. Place. The cattle are put in place and they move according to place. 
And then, of course, at the end of it all, God takes a step back and says, it is what? Very, very good. What is very good about it? Very simple. If anybody struggles with OCD, you'll understand this. Everything's where it's supposed to be. Doing exactly what it's supposed to do where it's at. And that excites God. God takes a step back and says, man, it is very good. When's the last time God took a look at our lives and said, baby, it is very good because they're where they need to be. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And they're all place. And then the antidote to chaos continues to push against verse 2. That's what divine order is. You're not returning. So don't get mad when you hear your pastor talk about an ordered home. It's the antidote to chaos. If you don't do that stuff or bring that stuff in, you can't miss the trajectory. (laughs) Which means you're in divine orbit. And when you come to church, you're not having to pray through your carnality. Because you're in divine orbit. And you walk in and we're all on the same page. And the divine destination is the visitation of the Holy Ghost. And miracles, signs, and wonders. And when a church gets into divine orbit. I don't want to be presumptuous because I know your pastor's one of the greatest teachers and preachers in Pentecost. But even when a preacher preaches, there's divine orbit. There's divine trajectory. When we're all doing what God wants us to be doing in the place that we're doing it, God likes to manifest in places. He's everywhere present at the same time. But he doesn't manifest himself everywhere at the same time. But he likes to manifest himself where people are doing what he likes us to do in the place that he put us to do it. So I can stay home and just live stream it, never come to church. Honey... I'm thankful for technology, but when you're not in the place, you can feel a goosebump at home, but when you're surrounded by the other stars, there's a gravity when you're in place, and it pulls you towards the sun. S-O-N. And the closer you get to the sun, the greater the liberty is. But you sit at home and you flip through Facebook while you're watching live. Hello, Facebook land. God blesses place. The text that I read to you, he said, I'm going to take you Can you pull that back up again, Exodus 15 and 17? Is this all right? 
I feel great. If you don't feel great, you should have eaten before you came. Thou shalt bring them in. Read this with me together. And what? Plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. Where? In the place. Which means that Mount Sinai, when he wanted them there, was the place. I thought we were going to Canaan. You are. You were in Egypt prior to that. That was the place God put you. But we don't like to settle for anything other than Canaan. And so we, we refuse to root in non-ideal places. When my storm's through, I'll worship. When I get out of this desert, I'll sit on the back pew until I come into my place. Honey, you'll never root in Canaan if you can't root in Egypt. Oh, you're not hearing me right now. Because if you heard me, you'd be shouting a little bit. What happens in the garden? You can turn that off. I don't want them to have something to read. You turn it off. You got the garden. God puts everything in place. Then he, in a place, moistens the earth and reaches down and begins to form man. He's a man of place. He doesn't create him out of thin air. But he comes from a place. Man, I could preach about the sense of belonging and the need to belong originates from how God made us. We came from a place. But that place wasn't good enough. Uh, man, I'm going to mess with, your, with just, just your minds. I'll just sit at home and enjoy the presence of God in this place. Honey, God made man out of the dust of the ground. And he said, that ain't good enough for you. That's not where you're staying. But I'm going to go plant me a place. Woo! And I'm going to take you, and I'm going to plant you in a new place. That's the first type of coming out of the world into the church. You come out of the world, and he puts you in a special place where there's fruit abounding. And all you got to do is protect and guard it. Maintain it and guard it. And he puts man in a place. Now we know the idea given to him by God was, I want you to keep and protect, everybody say place. Those of you that didn't say place, stand. Everybody say place. Look, I get to go back to Portland. If you don't like me, thank God for your pastor. But I feel a, a, an unction in the Holy Ghost to preach something that's not just here. Listen to me. They put him in place. Where was Adam when the serpent got out of his place? 
Balaam wasn't in his place as a protector of place. Oh, my. And when we get out of place, other things get out of place. Maybe the serpents in your home because you got out of place. Maybe your kids are out of place because you got out of place. You know what stewardship is? This church has a lot of good stewards. Stewardship is excellence in place. We like to make it administration. But Jesus said, occupy till I come. Occupy what? The place I left you. That's why God hates laziness. Because laziness is an excellence in place. Oh, That's why I'm trying to teach our fledgling church. When we come together, there is no room for mediocre in place. And see, y'all are at a different stage where some of you can count on everybody else to do it for you. Where's my binoculars? I'll start looking close. Some of us in this room have been okay with mundane in place as long as everybody else is doing excellent in place. Uh, But Brother Sergeant, there's a level in the Holy Ghost that only excellence in place can bring you. It's when you're functioning in place the way that God made you. That's when revelation comes. That's when the fruit of the Spirit comes. That's when the gift of the Spirit comes. So Adam gets out of his place. Something else gets out of its place. And because they got out of place, they were displaced. There's emplacement, displacement, misplacement. Oh, I can go through the list. And one of us has been one of them at some time or another. And when you were born into sin and iniquity... You needed emplacement. You needed God to get you out of darkness into. So they were displaced. Displaced people produce freakish things. Cain, a displaced first generation refugee. Kills his brother. And God probes him. Where's your brother? And he talks about place. Am I my brother's? Was Adam not the keeper of the garden? The woman made me do it. No, you were out of place. Cain, where's your brother? I'm not his keeper. Dad's got, he, hey, dad didn't keep the garden. Why should I keep my brother? 
And now, the first man in the Bible that has placelessness occurs. You're going to wander a fugitive and a vagabond. You're going to roam the world. You're going to have no place. You want to know why I tell backsliders and people that are considering walking out of this place and the place I pastor, why they better think twice? Because you don't understand what placelessness is until you get out there and recognize that you've got nowhere to put your foot at night. Come on, the prodigal son was misplaced. He got out of his place, but at least he had a place to go back to. So, man gets out of place. Cain is placeless. Can I right now, just what I feel in the Holy Ghost... Warn some of you. My God. You're wanting to live in two places. That's a scary proposition to make. Because I got friends that have never, ever, ever found their way back to the place. Oh, I did drugs. I ran the world. And I almost lost my place. Because when I responded to the call of God, God told me a week later, if you had not gotten back, we would have been burying you the week later. Hell ain't a place. It's a bottomless place. There ain't no destination once you're there. It's placelessness. And I think, man, I'm just, I feel the Holy Ghost. I think I'd just like on a Monday to step out of my place. Pastor don't know. Wife don't know. I think I'll play around over here in this little place. And the serpent and the sin that lieth out the door says, I've been waiting for your place to be empty. Anybody home? No. We're out playing around in a different place. And while you weren't looking four devils worse than the ones you've been fighting slipped into your place. Stole your dominion. Took your witness. And now your wife doesn't respect you and your kids don't respect you because you missed your place. Why don't we lift our hands right now? I feel the Holy Ghost. 
Come on, somebody just lift their voice right now and say, God, help me right now to plow my heart. Oh! Come on, somebody knows somebody that's out of place. You might be sitting here today and you're not in the place. You're not rooted in place. So disobedience occurs. I'm getting there. Things that get out of place breed freakish things. Genesis 6 and 4. And the sons of God. I'm not here to argue what that means. The sons of God mixed with the daughters of men. And giants were born. You know how you get strongholds in a city? Out of place things. That's why when you decide to show up and teach a Bible study in a place full of giant strongholds, they don't like what you're doing because you're showing up with the antidote to chaos. You're there to put everybody back into place. Giants are born. Freakish things. I know a family that started to dabble around a little bit with things in the world. They were warned repeatedly, don't do it. But when you play around with other places, today, they're divorced. Their kids are so messed up. And it's really simple. Just Root yourself right where God puts you. You know, playing around with the world is not possible for rooted people. Getting distracted and moving away from the place doesn't happen when you walk into the house of the Lord. The first time God touched you and you say, I ain't never felt what I felt like before. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make up my mind today. This is the place uh, that you're going to bury me. Come on, it's what we're missing in today's generation. We got a lot of tumbleweeds blowing around from service to service, from place to place. But when you feel what you feel, you got to say, this is where I'm going to root. Well, you don't understand. Ever since I started living for God, it's been nothing but hell. God didn't promise you easy. He promised you heaven. 
didn't promise you utopia. He said, I'm going to prepare a, a place for you. But we get this idea that when we give God our whole, He owes us a perfect place. Honey, we owe Him. We owe Him a perfect place. Oh, we're going to chafe against holiness. You know what holiness is? It's us carving out a place. But you know, we want we want God to carve us out of place. Come on, God. I want a I want a 10k job. I want a sports car. I, I want no problems. Uh, I want everything to be right. Uh, and God says, I'm still waiting on you uh, to clean up your place uh, so I can have a place uh, that I like. Are there any holiness-loving people that are not afraid of giving him a place? That's why there are some people in this room, you might be going through hell right now. But you settled long time ago. This is where God wants me. Ain't no devil going to get me out of this place. Because I remember the place I used to be and it don't compare to the place I'm in right now. Somebody ought to shout yes. I've seen it too many times. Stay where you are. I'm going to go in this place. And a mama or a husband or a brother or a sister says, I ain't going to that place. (laughs) Oh, but my desire to make it to heaven is stronger than your desire to keep me out of that. I know some young people that traded places with celebratory fame and said, I'm going to go back to the place. So here it comes. I'm almost done. I'm quicker to being done than you think. I'm not a liar. Egypt. Pastor. I don't think I can make it to prayer tonight. Life's, I can't tell you how many times, Pastor. I'm going through so much, Pastor. Well, you sure don't have a problem rooting in your problem. Can I, 
You don't seem to have a problem of rooting in ignorance. You don't seem to have a problem rooting in bitterness. You don't seem to have a problem rooting in, in carnality and sexuality and all this stuff. You don't seem to have a problem rooting any there. I'm a addictions therapist on the side. It don't mean nothing. It just means I deal with hard-headed people like you. You know what the biggest problem I face with most people? Is they get rooted. And they're resistant to changing places. I think I'll go cold turkey. Good. But I'll leave a stash behind the toilet. Just in case. I don't get rooted in the new place. Honey, you can't get rooted where God wants you with one little root going back to that toilet where your dope's hid. Don't come up here and tell me you are worshiping in liberty when you're ready to leave this place and go back to pornography. That ain't rooted in place. I mean, this is simple stuff. But we struggle with it. Pastor, I can't make it today. It's, it's hard. May, oh, that's my favorite one. Maybe I'm not in the will of God. As though all of a sudden you became an oracle of the Lord. You can't even read your wife's mind. But you're reading God's mind. Man, I feel my help coming in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, pastor, we just don't feel like it's the will of God. Because ever since we started going to that church, it got hard. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe you ought to be quiet and stop talking for God and listen for God. Man, my, my Brooklyn's coming out. I don't even have Brooklyn in me. It's my street. I get aggravated of people that would willingly root to the world. And they'll deal with the drama in the bars, the drama with their, their new baby mama, their boo five times removed, and they come in church, and it's like gripping a cactus tree. Saying, get out of where you are. All right, I'm going to be real. He, he, he can take me to Taco Bell today. That's all right. We cross our arms as though it's cool to have no money in the bank. Three or four felonies. 16 kids out of wedlock and we're $95,000 in child arrears. I pastor them all. 
and a preacher comes along and they got the audacity to look at somebody who went from zero to connect to a hero and they've got the audacity to say, I'm fine right where I am. You liar. You know what you're feeling in this room. You're feeling something trying to uproot you. He's after some of you today. You ain't cool. I had a guy tell me I'll meet you in the parking lot. I said, Jesus, that's under the blood. I said, you ain't worth my time. Because you're trying to drag me to the parking lot. That ain't where I'm going to drag you. (laughs) I go the opposite direction. I'm going to drag your carcass to an altar. And God always gets the last word. Somebody ought to say yeah. I'm closing musicians. You can come. It ain't cool. It's weak. But we like to hang on to our victimhood. Pastor did me wrong. That church did me wrong. Well, did your wife ever do you wrong? Did your husband ever do you wrong? Did your kids ever do you wrong? Did the government ever do you wrong? But you ain't, you ain't refusing handouts from the government, are you? That's right, that's, that's the kind of music. We're going to party in a little bit. I'm going to give some of you an opportunity to uproot your carcass out of Egypt and make your way to the promised land today. Because I got joy when I think about what he's done for me. Oh, you ain't got my joy, do you? Come on, I wish every apostolic that's been uprooted from the world would start marching out of your chair and make your way to an apostolic. Oh, no, 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 don't come. Am I still in an apostolic church? Did you forget what it was like when the Holy Ghost grabbed you by your neck? He said, I'm going to plant you somewhere else.
repressed church planter. I come to spread my wings today. He didn't take me dragging and kicking. But when the Holy Ghost started moving, I was two weeks on a binge trembling from the top of my head waiting for my hookup to come. And my dad had the audacity to go pray in his place. And I sat there in that extra bedroom waiting for my dope fix. I was out of place. But then the Holy Ghost... That's why I wish I had a little more soul in me. Because it started on the top of my head. And then I started speaking the language of a new place. You don't know that I've been redeemed. Follow me down to the Jordan stream. I stepped in the water. The water was cold. It chilled my body, but not my soul. I'm tired right now. I need some of you to shout at the top of your lungs and begin to give him praise. Come on, if you want to get out of drugs, make your way to the front of this altar. Come on, cool cat. Get out of your aisle and come down to the pew and let God root you. Come on, apostolics, let's go wild. Come on, I'm rooted in place. I like where I'm at. This is the place to be. Follow me down to the Jordan Street. Stepped in the water, the water was cold. Chill my body but not my soul You don't believe I've been redeemed Follow me down to the Jordan Street Stepped in the water, the water was cold Chill my body but not my soul Come on, is there an apostolic that'll let a sinner know right now This is a party, this is wonderful This is where you want to be 